0: Today, Claudio with a chance of Mitrovic as the Leicester legend lands at the cottage. Meanwhile, Premier League organises whip round for the parting figure who's benefited sides up and down the table, but they're not sure what to give Jokanovic. Also today, we talk bad Brazilians and tear them off a strip, appropriately enough. And Nations League. Will England win the group? Will they get relegated? We need to recap again, don't we? It's all in the Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Power. And listener, thank you so much for joining us. As we say, bon dia to Natalie Gedra.
1: Nice, nice Portuguese. Thank you
0: so much. uh, Of ESPN Brazil. Yes. Thank you for joining us today, Natalie.
1: Thank you. Yeah. uh, Obrigado.
0: Nada. Uh, Matt Davis Adams. Hello. Hi, Matt.
2: (laughs) That's all I can offer, I'm afraid. No,
0: that's great. Nice English. (laughs) Part of the Totally Football Show that finished 11th in the Opta Joe quiz this week 11th is actually a really impressive number isn't it because how many teams were competing man? there
2: were 30 we were, we were pretty happy with um with our overall effort because um, I, as Duncan explained before we came on air the stats guys always win they're, they're in a different league um, right. so we were aiming who, for a top half finish who was in our team uh, it was myself Tom Williams who was probably the star man Karl mm. Anker Emma Saunders and producer Ben who actually threw in a couple of good answers himself and who I owe an apology to for oh, yeah. uh, he was pretty insistent that it was Dennis Wise who provided the Assist for Laurie Sanchez winning goal in the 1988 FA Cup final. Sure, I felt it was Terry Gibson. We went with Gibson. Of course, it was wise. Easy to be wise after the event, you might say. Um, what other teams were competing? Did was was there a team from you know that other lot, team? Yeah, down the road? Yeah, they beat us. Unfortunately, oh. um, yeah, we beat we beat who scored. Uh, we beat a couple of notable, so you know who scored the stats website. You beat expect the Daily Mail, pretty good. Beat the Daily Mail, yeah, yeah. always nice. Um, but yeah, as, as we say, room for improvement. Mid-table. First effort this year, mid-table yeah. finish, perfectly respectable. Right. Uh, particularly given that we had two millennials in our team uh, right. for whom a lot of the questions were were pre their time, and they they offered up that excuse fairly readily. Okay.
0: Well, anyway, that quiz, which has become a bit of an institution in the whole kind of sports broadcasting industry. Put together as ever by Optus estimable Duncan Alexander, the oily sailor who sails the statistical seven
3: seas, as producer Ben likes to yeah. call him. And here he is with I us. I should point out, I didn't write the quiz. Did you not? It was an esteemed colleague of mine, okay. Tom. All right, but um, cool. he did a good job, yeah. All right. I, I read the questions out.
0: Did you? Mm. Excellent. What was your favourite question? Have you brought questions I've with you? I've got some of the
3: questions, yeah. So if you want to go through some of them, we, yeah, we can Yeah. T- w- w- should we, we kick off, Would you enjoy well? that? No
0: Googling now, Yeah. OK, let's have one now and then maybe okay, some later on. OK, let's
3: start with who is the top-scoring Premier League player who scored all of his goals in the 1990s? So 100% of his goals came in the 90s. Right, and who would that be? Should we say now or, or what? Well, we need to give the listener a little, a little bit of a chance. Well, I don't know who it is. Matt, you were there I when... remember that one, actually. OK,
0: all right, let's now have a go with that. As we say, item one this week, gotta love Fulham. What mm. a lovely club they are. Not only do they have that gorgeous Riverside Walk... But they've enlivened an international week by changing their manager and not bringing in Sam Allardyce or David Moyes, but Narrative's very own Claudio Ranieri. And uh, this is the best bit. They did it on a Wednesday, not at like midday on Thursday, as is usually the case. Anyways, you've seen Slaviza Jokanovic sacked Khan bringing in Ranieri to try and turn things around at uh, bottom of the table, Fulham. Did you know, Natalie... Uh, Gabriele and Marco we were discussing Ranieri on our Golazzo sister podcast yesterday yes. all about Italian football. Um Gabriele dropped the nugget that in net spend terms Fulham were the third biggest spenders in all of Europe last summer.
1: I know they I, I knew they were big spenders but oh my god third? Yeah. Yeah, no, not not exactly getting what the, what they invested for, right?
0: Are you excited by this news about Ranieri?
1: Very much. Honestly, when I when I I got the news on my cell phone. I just looked at it and I I screamed. I was like, whoa, Hanier is back. (laughs) How entertaining is that? Because he's such a good character. Mm. You know, he's very charismatic. He's going to do well for the self esteem of the club. Because even though people that don't like Fulham that much, I think everybody kind of likes Hanier. He's so likable. Who are these people who
0: don't like Fulham?
1: Yeah, that's true. But yeah. anyway, yeah,
0: it's nice and, and nice. <laughs> it's like, you know, say Mourinho going to Man United was perfect because plenty of people th- have difficulty with both. And I think they,
2: they both enjoy that, don't they? It's quite yeah. a contrast from, from Jukanovic, definitely, because he always had that sort of grizzled, slightly narked look about him. So that they've sort of gone from, from one extreme to the other. Just that thing on the, on the 100 million, I would suggest that, that it's not like Jukanovic said... I want all these players and that's who they've got. I think it's probably quite easy to say, oh, well, he spent all that money and it didn't really work for him. I doubt, I'm, I'm sure he had some sort of. I mean, yeah, and some and you can also
3: argue that you can definitely buy too many players or loan too many players as well. I mean, that, you know, Fulham have made 33 changes to their starting 11 this season, which is more than any other team. Compare that to Wolves, who've made two.
0: That's even more than they've conceded goals.
3: Yeah, which is going some. Um, and they have brought in the Tinker Man, who isn't the Tinker Man anymore, because when Leicester won the league, he named an unchanged team 15 times. So, yeah, I think, you know, he'll bring some, some organisation in.
0: Well, that's right. He won the league with Leicester, a team who seemed in equally a dire predicament as the cottages do now. How much can we draw parallels with that extraordinary experience? How about we dial up our friend Jonathan Northcroft from the Sunday Times? Uh, Jonathan, thank you so much for joining us today. No problem. Um, Big Claudio back in the big time, and people's thoughts turned to when he took little Lester all the way to the very top. In your opinion, having written the book on that whole phenomenon, how much of it was down to him and his his tactics and skills, and how much because they had Kante and Vardy and, and Maris?
4: Yeah, it, it, I think we'll still be picking that one for for years to come. I think I think it was it was a classic mix, really. Um, the, the other thing to throw in is how well structured Leicester were. So you had a club that that had been kind of built very carefully by by Nigel Pearson, who had uh, you know the sports science department, the scouting department, everything kind of nicely aligned the way that clubs. Should be, um, and then of course they 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 made this great signing of Cante, which they didn't know at that point. Claudio certainly didn't know, but that was to prove really important. Um, but I think what what happened was he brought um, his nous, his tactical skills, but also his his I guess his aura, his leadership, to the sort of front of house while leaving in place what was already there, and, and there was an intelligence to what he did because he. He spent a lot of the early part of his Leicester reign, first few weeks in pre-season, just saying very little, realizing what was good, realizing what he needed to keep in place, um, and 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 doing so. And then sprinkle, as he said, you know, he sprinkled his little Italian tactics. I think was his, his quote on the top.
0: Because he doesn't have the luxury of a pre-season here, just this uh, brief international break. How relevant then do you think the Leicester experience is? Do you see any of the same elements there?
4: I do. Um, I think one of the things that that maybe was missed about what he did at Leicester and and is missed about him because he's got this kind of fun, sunny persona. At heart, he's a very organised Italian coach who's extremely good at organising the defensive side of a team. And that was part of his job at Leicester. Uh, They'd conceded uh, 55 goals a year before he came. Uh, They'd third worst defence in the league, almost got relegated. And then they had the second best defense in the league when when he was there, and they won the title. And and he spent a lot of time. He changed him from three at the back. He spent a lot of time just drilling and drilling a, a regular back four that we we all remember now. You know, Huth, Morgan, Simpson, and Fuchs. Um, absolutely drilling them. Um, in a way, what he he can bring to this is is what you know a Sam Allardyce will bring to a relegation situation, which is organizing a team getting the clean sheets and building from there. That is kind of what he did at Leicester. It's just he, he built to a far greater extent than, than was imagined.
5: You're listening to The Totally Verbal Show with James Richardson. Jonathan
0: Northcroft, whose book, Fearless, the amazing underdog story of Leicester City, the greatest miracle in sports history. It's a lot of title, isn't it? But just call it Fearless. Anyway, that's available right now. I bet there'll be a run on that. He likes a long title, doesn't he?
2: Yes, he does. Because last time he was in, uh, mm. he was promoting his, his book, Deadlines and Darts with Delhi, My World Cup Diary, England's Rebirth in Russia, and other unexpected tales.
0: Brilliant. And well, that's chapter one, pretty much, already,
4: isn't
2: <laughs> yeah. it? Brilliant.
0: Do you think, is that because they give him a word count? And he just like, I don't know. Anyway, writing does, a book. And the front
1: it, cover count? a probably count?
0: does. Have you heard, have written a book, Natalie?
1: I've written a dissertation.
0: Okay. Yeah. What was your dissertation on?
1: Uh, refugees and Football. Wow. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Brilliant. Well, that, that's a fascinating topic. Duncan, you've written a book, sorry.
3: Two books, yeah. Two books, then. Mm. But I, don't, I didn't include the, uh, the cover in the word count, mm. but I will from now on. Next time. Uh, Ranieri, what a
0: way for him to start. They've got Southampton at home, which seems pretty good. But you know what the fixtures are after that? Chelsea and Leicester. And then after that, they've got Mourinho, his old buddy. Hashtag narrative.
3: Yeah, that's and I also mean... good for the title race. Rainier has got a, a strangely brilliant record against Manchester City. He's won eight and drawn one of his nine
2: Premier League games against them. So you're kidding. Guardiola is going to be, you know, scared definitely. Wow. It's a shame there's no Premier League this weekend because Jose could have done a press conference with SJ on his on his top in, in yes. tribute to Jukanovic.
0: Yeah, funnily enough, that stressing <laughs> <laughs> suggestion came up and go like so, uh, yesterday. All right, well, it, it is interesting what parallels there are or, or not with uh, what he did at Leicester. That's not the only club that he's, that he's had certainly initial success at. Do you remember when he took over at Nantes uh, after Leicester, where there was all that all that business of you have to bolt the door before you decorate. And he had, um, I think he won six of his first 10 league games there. He's generally had a a great start wherever he's been. The one that we were talking about in Golazzo particularly was when he moved about 10 years ago to Parma midway through the season and they were 18th at the time and they had a brilliant run and uh, they lost three times in 16 games, rocketed up the table to 12th. What do you think is going to happen, Natalie?
1: Well, I think it was very interesting when he got when like his first interview, he mentioned uh, very clearly his defensive work, his proper Italian manager. So of course, and Fulham desperately needs that. So I think that's going to be interesting. and Fulham thirty one goals is like the worst defense in the Premier League, so yeah, not looking good for them. But mm-hmm. I think Haniken can add up a lot in this sense, yeah.
3: I think it's quite a good, it's quite a low bar for him. You know, he, the reason he left Leicester was because he, you know, he couldn't have repeated what he did at Leicester. But he's really only got to come, come in at Fulham and win sort of six or seven games in seven months. You know, a lot of people saying, can he pull off another miracle? I don't think that would count as a miracle, really. right? Just a, a reasonable run of form. Because it's
0: so tight down the bottom, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, a couple yeah. of
3: wins. I mean, we could be looking at a season where, you know, 30, 31, 32 points is going to be enough to keep you up. So, right. yeah. They're only three points off safety at the moment? Yeah.
0: And Newcastle demonstrated with their back-to-back victories and, and racing up to, I think, where are they now? 14th, something
2: like that? They're out of the yeah, they
3: are, bottom yeah. three. Yeah, mm.
2: What do you think, Matt? I think he's got more than enough uh, about him as a manager to to keep them up, particularly given some of the other teams in the Premier League. But I wonder if we may be being a little bit kind because he's such a nice fella. I mean, you mentioned Nantes. They won four games in the second half of the season, won three of his last 15 at Leicester. Obviously, the Greece thing didn't go particularly well. But uh, you would think because of his experience of the league and also because of his experience managing multinational squads, which is what Fulham is... You know, maybe even more so than, than most other Premier League clubs uh, and the defensive organisation, which is obviously the big thing. I mean, they need to... That One of the things that did for Jukanovic was that they just changed the team far too much. They've used three goalkeepers this yeah. season. So pick one and, and stick with him, I would say, would be a good way to
0: start. Which was very much his way at, at Leicester, yeah.
3: as you were saying, Duncan. Yeah, 15 games without a, a change to a certain 11, which is pretty solid.
0: And that worked brilliantly for Nuno. Why why do more managers not do that? It's less work. You get better results.
3: I know. Makes sense, doesn't it? Mm. Working for Maurizio Sarri. That's true. Mm.
0: Yeah. Had to bring up Chelsea, didn't you?
1: (laughs) (laughs) But Guardiola does the opposite and it works fine as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, Oh, by the way, Jokanovic, Daniel's Storey pointing out that even though his time at Fulham has been pretty miserable, he's got an extraordinary career. He's managed 139 top-flight games... Yet, his CV includes two promotions. He's managed in the Champions League and Europa League. He's won three league titles, two domestic doubles, and he's had an invincible league season. He's gone a season unbeaten. So, he'll end up somewhere soon, do you think?
2: Yeah, he's got the right to feel aggrieved, definitely. Um, You know, he he did really well to get Fulham promoted last season. And, of course, they had a rubbish start in the championship last season. They They were down near the relegation zone in the first half of the season. So, he might feel that he could have turned the situation around, particularly with... It seemed sort of strange to do it. Obviously, it's the international break, but that Southampton game feels like a very winnable game for Mm. Fulham either way. So maybe you could have built some momentum, but maybe they thought, well, games after that, very difficult as we've discussed.
0: Well, that was only part one of today's rip-roaring Totally Football show. Duncan, have you got another question for us before we head into part two? Mm. Right, okay. Let's answer question one then. So the question was, listeners. The question
3: was the top scoring player in the Premier League who only scored in the 1990s. And it was Ian Wright. Mm. Oh,
0: pfft. I should can ask Natalie. Oh.
3: <laughs> Sorry, Natalie. All right,
0: we can double. the okay.
1: yeah. Would you
3: have known that, Natalie? No. Okay.
0: Thank Ian you for Wright. not
1: asking, you.
3: Okay. Uh, give us another one then, Duncan. Okay, next up, who was the last player to score 40 or more league goals in an English top flight season? 40 or more mm. league goals in all competitions? No, nope, just in the league. 40 goals in a season? Yeah. I mean, it's the sort of thing Ronaldo and Messi have done frequently. But... Um, yeah, who was the last place to do it in England?
0: Introducing Paddy Power's Beat the Drop. We're giving every customer 30 days free entry and a grand up front. It's up to you to keep
5: it. All you have to do is answer 10 questions correctly. Play now at beatthedrop.paddypower.com. On Spotify, smart speaker and podcast platforms everywhere, this is the Totally Football Show from Muddy Knees Media.
0: Part two begins with some exciting news about the Premier League who brought in Susanna Dinage as their new chief executive, or at least she will be taking over from Richard Scudamore when he leaves at the end of this season. Much interest in the fact that uh, it's the first female uh, league boss and she's come from an unusual-ish background, although Scudamore was was in charge of newspapers before he was at the Football League. And she's from Discovery Channel... A uh, global president of Animal Planet, actually. Uh, she also worked at MTV and Channel 5, which is a great channel, as you know. Um, but, you know, given that TV is probably the biggest driver of football in terms of finance right now, it's the keyest element that it kind of makes sense, I guess.
1: Completely. Uh, For us who work in television, we see how many things are changing in terms of broadcasting and in terms of new technologies. And nobody really knows where we are going, uh, especially with broadcasting rights. So it's a huge deal for the Premier League, obviously, and internationally it's the most internationalized league in Europe, uh, with uh, hundreds of broadcasters, so I think it was a it was an interesting call to to get someone from w- with such a strong background on television. And as a woman, of course, I'm happy and proud and curious to see where this is going.
0: Well, I was going to say me too, but uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, problems that she uh, Susanna Dinage may be facing uh, the whole Super League notion. Not sure how real that is. Uh, consequences of. Brexit, Not sure how real that is either. Uh, The changing TV landscape, which you mentioned, agents and their fees, and also basically just keeping fans with some notion that football hasn't moved on and completely forgotten all about them. And probably not helpful on that last issue was this story that the Premier League are all being asked to chuck in a very big wodge for a big golden handshake, although I hear that that may not be. I'm not sure. Matt, have you got any inside info on that from Chelsea's point of view
2: Well they've all been asked to put in £250,000 haven't they the 20 Premier League clubs um, it's uh, Bruce Buck who's the Chelsea chairman as the player who's proposed this in his role as the chair of the Premier League's nominations committee rather than in his role as um, Chelsea chairman I think it, actually in a way it's helped Susanna Dinnage because the headlines are all about that and she's kind of slipped him quite quietly into the position so it might work out quite well for her obviously it's um it's quite a gauche thing on the face of it but i think the thinking behind it is that you know the last uk tv deal was worth 5.14 billion um, and it was 670 million when he joined so if you look at it in that terms as a bonus but whether the club should be paying it is something different i mean I thought maybe they could just get him a lifetime subscription to BT Sport and Sky Sports, and that's probably worth about five million pounds anyway. That would be an easy way to do it, yeah.
0: Of course you'd need you'd need other ones in there as well. You'd need Amazon and Five yeah.
2: million pounds of
3: Amazon vouchers, that would take a while to get through.
2: She's a she's a Fulham season ticket holder, so you would think that she's got some sort of understanding about the issues facing supporters, particularly as it's very expensive at Fulham. So a nice quick win for her early on would be you know, if she can get somewhere with the the twenty is plenty campaign that the FSF have been trying to push through for years, that would be a good start for her PR-wise if she, if she did something like that and then focuses on what we've been talking about, Brexit, TV deals, etc. and so on. But it, it's sort of reassuring that she is a football supporter mm. um, as well as obviously a highly competent professional.
0: It's been a good week for her then as a Fulham season ticket holder, you know, with with the change. Let's talk about some real football, eh, Duncan? Uh, internationals, a decisive final round of the Nations League is upon us big question is last time we were here the big question was if you win your group and you're in say league 3 or league 4 do you get into euro 2020 I haven't got a clue. Ben, I asked Ben to find this out definitively this morning. He says that he's even more confused than he was. As I understand it, if you win your group, well, basically there's four tiers. There's relegation from the bottom sides and promotion for the top. But the stronger sides will qualify for the finals next June. All 16 group winners will get a place in the Euro 2020 qualification playoffs. If they've already qualified, of course, through normal Euro qualifying, then the best ranked team from a lower group will be drafted in. So that's clear then, eh? Uh, The big questions anyway heading into these rounds are, what did I just say? Uh, Secondly, can England win the group after beating Spain or might they get relegated? Netherlands, can they stay up? Might they relegate Germany? And can, Matt, Scotland make the Euros? What are you most excited by this weekend?
2: I think there would be something quite um, good for ger- for the Netherlands about relegating Germany. That that's probably the most interesting thing. Obviously, we're we're recording on on Thursday, and in terms of England's group, Spain and Croatia are playing tonight, so it could mean that that's kind of a, a dead rubber in terms of the certainly in terms of winning the group. If Spain beat Croatia, then then they've done it. So. I just have a bit of a problem with this international break specifically because it's the third one of the season already and there's ages until the next one. I think it's March usually, isn't it? it And it it just feels like the season's just got going. We're just about a third of the way through it. If this was the first international break, then great. But we've already had two and it's just... Yeah, I I
3: think in years, odd-numbered years, when
2: it's the spot where you have
3: the playoffs, it's totally fair enough. But I think in tournament years, yeah, we don't need it tournament years as not we've just had a yeah, tournament. Yeah, and so it's just friendlies or you know, any other newly invented tournament, uh, <laughs> aka the Nations League. So, yeah, it, it really does feel like it's kind of paused the uh, the Premier League and other leagues just as they're getting going.
0: Oh, buzzkill. I was getting quite worked up, especially as you say about Netherlands. What what international fixtures, obviously there's two Brazil friendlies. Yes,
1: uh, but actually the the international break uh, is working fine for the South Americans because we have Copa America. Mm-hmm. And it's next June, so so for for all South American teams, it, it's good that we're having these three fixtures. Although I understand I understand your point, but for for Brazilians, it's is working fine. Right,
0: the you know? Copa America is going to be in Brazil. Yes, next it summer. Is. is. So it, does Brazil not have to qualify them? No. So that's why you're doing all these friendlies in places yes. like Milton Keynes.
1: Oh my God! Yes.
0: <laughs> right. Well, that's a strange decision.
1: Yes, it is. Yeah. You,
0: can you tell us how that came about?
1: Well, negotiating friendlies, it's a a complex thing that involves uh, a few excuses and and, uh, some explanations. For example, they always argue that no, it's not that every team wants to play Brazil. So it's hard to get uh, very top teams Mm -hmm. uh, to play Brazil, which is always a a constant uh, complaint uh, among Brazilian fans that we shouldn't be playing Saudi Arabia like we did or Mm. Honduras you know, it's very frustrating. And in terms of location, yeah, I, I honestly, I, I asked myself the same thing. I was like, why Milton Keynes? You have mm-hmm. plenty going on here. But there are factors like uh, how much they charge for, for rent and there are agreements. And the, the Brazilian team, they, they have a, an agency that negotiates all these friendlies. So... There's a lot going on. They they have contracts that they can they, they have to... Respect. To respect, exactly. So first it's going to be the Emirates, and then it's going to be... So the Emirates,
0: Keynes. that's... oh, that's Friday. Yes, it is. Brazil taking on Uruguay. Yeah,
1: it's going to be exciting for once. Uh-huh. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so Cheetah will put out a proper team for that. Yes. Um, and then it's Cameroon in Milton Keynes. Yeah. Yeah. How do people in Brazil feel about the fact that their national team very rarely does...
1: It's a big complaint and everybody's, well, there's a consolation factor that they are expected to play a few matches before Copa America in May. Uh-huh. In Brazil, a couple of matches. So they have these uh, contracts with uh, that, where they should play in places like Saudi Arabia, like they did, and United States. And it was worse. It was worse uh, when Dunga was was the manager. It was a big problem. Brazil never played. Brazil always played in London. There's a there's a, a, a joke among Brazilians that it's actually Brazil's home is is London. It's hmm. not it's not anywhere in Brazil, but they are trying to reconnect with their audience and we had qualifying before uh, so it's not that bad it was it was worse before uh, 2014 because I, every match was a friendly match because we weren't playing qualifying and then Brazil was like all over and it was never playing home so now it's it's starting to get uncomfortable but it's not a, a big deal for now
0: the the team includes such luminaries as, uh, as Neymar will, will they be paying Neymar to clap the fans do you think in, in, a, in a similar fashion to PSG details of
1: yeah he denied that, oh, he's, he's denied yes, that is he denied that yes he denied that he, he, he called it fake news ok well we'll have a press conference from him today so we might get a, a few answers Excellent. about that yeah
0: ok best of luck with those two games then uh, Duncan
3: what's most exciting you about this international break well the return of Rue Okay which yeah. is happening this 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 evening this Thursday evening as we yeah record. um and i mean it's caused anger and anguish with some people but you know i think he deserves it okay. i mean it does seem a little bit like you know that the meme that's doing the rounds this week with the don't say it meme where you, yes. you say yeah it does feel like someone said we've got a friendly against usa don't say it don't say it don't say it let's get rooney back but yeah. um yeah but i think it's good he deserves it um it was notable that peter shilton the man who has the most caps for england was was not happy about the man who with the second most caps for england getting an extra cap
0: will he Level? Will he pull level with Shilton?
3: No, he won't. But I think Shilton was concerned that you know a, a swift hat trick from Rooney and and he's back in the in rotation, right?
2: And Rooney, to his credit, said that if it was a cap that would have taken him level with Shilton or, or beaten him, he wouldn't have he wouldn't have taken it. He wouldn't right. be doing this. But it, it I, I think the reaction's been really strange. I mean, the main thing is it, it's about raising awareness of his charity, mm. and he's a a footballer who obviously he's, he's had some black marks on his CV, maybe no more so than than certain other footballers, but there's a kind of strange attitude towards him, I find, from certain sections of the English media. And, you know, this foundation that he's got that helps disadvantaged and vulnerable children that he gave £1.6 million that he raised from his testimonial for Man United to, that seems to be his primary motivation to take part in this game, to raise awareness of that. So you know, this kind of thing is commonplace Podolski had one, didn't he? Schneider had one. Uh, I think he's he's well worth it in terms of a a, from a football perspective. They sold twenty thousand tickets in the couple of days after it was announced that he was going to be taking part in it. But I feel a bit sorry for him in that he probably thought this was quite a good sort of you know holistic thing for him to do to raise awareness of his charity, which he's got. You know, there's no expectation on him to do that or have had it, and it's just a bit of a shame that it's been. ill. what are you bringing him back for? Well because he's the record goal scorer. It also taps into this thing where he doesn't get enough credit for his career. You know, he's
3: one of the greatest English players in the history of football. And because his best years were probably his early years, you know, he does get sort of glossed over compared to some of his peers, I think. Hmm.
1: As a foreign, I can't understand why people are being so bitter about it.
3: About Wayne Rooney playing...
0: Yes, of course,
1: you have to respect his history. And he's like you mentioned, he's doing a good thing. I mean... Stop I think, being so bitter about it. I, th-
0: I think um, that it's to do with the, the way that because of his early years and because of his stature or status within the game, he was seen as an automatic inclusion for England for so long and the team was built around him. And I think especially in the final years of his, his time with England, his inclusion in England team represented the things that were holding the side back. And it was interesting how fresh the side looked without him once he he moved on and maybe that's why people have got this reaction to Rooney returning if only for a brief cameo at Wembley
1: yeah but that doesn't change everything that he did for the national team and honestly I just think you have to respect his history it's it's
2: not like he held you know the number nine role for England all the time held that hostage he played in central midfield he Mm. played on the wing he did what he was asked to so yeah
0: Duncan, do you have some stats that you were going to throw at us on this, or shall I move on?
3: i am um, quite a bit to c-
0: move on if you want.
2: No, I've got a couple if
3: you Go want. Go on then. Oh, um, I don't
0: know. Do I want them?
3: Well, I don't know. Might do. Okay. I mean, if Let's he, hear
0: those stats, listen If you scores. decide,
3: it's quite sad he's going to be a substitute because the only minute Rooney's never scored in in his career is the fourteenth, so he won't get a chance to to do that. He
0: scored in every other minute of the game.
3: Yeah, between one and ninety. <laughs> Um so that's a shame. He can become Do you mean f- for England or in general? No, just in his career.
0: Oh, right. he's still playing for DC United of course. True,
3: but um maybe they don't have the 14th minute in America, I don't know. <laughs> I'd have to research that. Do go on then. <laughs> um he if he scores, he'd be the third England player to score 20 or more goals at Wembley. So that's that's a more realistic target. Okay. Yeah. yeah so, but yeah.
0: All right, Wayne Rooney. But anyway, after that, England will be playing Croatia at Wembley. And as you say, Matt, that that might have less riding on it because Croatia might already be relegated after their clash with Spain uh, this evening. Of course, it's got echoes of last time Croatia visited uh, ahead of Euro 2008, which England weren't able to attend after that 3-2 defeat.
2: No, England beat Croatia qualifying for the 2010 World Cup at Wembley oh, because Wembley. I was at that game. Oh, that right. So that would have been 0-9. They beat them like 5-0 or something. Oh, yeah. Ridiculous. Okay. Um, yeah, all
0: right, but echoes of that as well. Then. <laughs>
2: yeah, I mean, the big thing for England is what
0: seeing if they can follow on from the fantastic win away in Seville.
2: Yeah, I think so. It's it's almost a shame uh, that the the scheduling of the games is that the USA one is first because it's going to sort of kill the momentum. We expect it to be a, you know, a sort of B team tonight for England. You know, people like Lewis Dunk maybe getting a run out. Jaden Sancho potentially starting. Um, so whether that, that checks the momentum from the Spain game, we'll see. But hopefully they can carry that through. Uh, There's a couple of interesting selection things. Obviously Ben Chilwell played really well against Spain, but Luke Shaw's back in. So see who plays left back. Will Callum Wilson um, get a start? I sort of think that he might actually work quite well with Harry Kane rather than as a supplement, you know, as a substitute uh, for him. And does Gareth Southgate prefer Ruben Loftus-Cheek or Ross Barkley? They're both in the squad. Will either of them play? Uh, Harry Winks as well, you know, did well against Spain. So, yeah, there's there's plenty of interest, but hopefully there's a lot riding on the game rather than well, yeah,
0: <laughs> if Croatia were to beat Spain... Uh, inflict another defeat on them, there would be almost too much riding on it. England would be poised to either win the group or, with defeat, get relegated. Wow. Anyway, we shall see Croatia, of course, yet to score in the Nations League, so we'll see how they get on. Also worth keeping an eye on, Wales are taking on Denmark on Friday with promotion from Group B on the line. Wales topping the group right now. Denmark have a game in hand. The Danes got the better of the Welsh, didn't they? Earlier in their Nations League campaign
2: and Christian Eriksson with the brace there. But Wales have got Gareth Bale and Aaron Ramsey back. Yeah, have you seen the um, Ryan Giggs quotes about Gareth Bale? I've not seen many of the games because they're not on Sky anymore. Isn't hmm. they're, they're on 11 Sports and I haven't got that. Yeah. Uh 11 Sports replied via social media uh, we can give it Giggsy till the end of the season. Which <laughs> yeah. I thought was and, quite uh, nice. But
0: I don't think they ever got back in touch. Right. Okay. I don't think Giggsy ever did.
2: But I mean, you know, he could always fly out to Spain and watch a game, but I suppose, couldn't
0: he? If Bale was playing. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, Northern Ireland, Scotland and Republic of Ireland, you interested in those? Natalie, not so much, perhaps. Duncan, you interested in those? Situationer. OK, <laughs> let me tell you that in Wales' this group, Republic of Ireland will be relegated unless Denmark lose to Wales and unless Republic of Ireland then beat Denmark away, so not looking good for them. Also in League B, second tier, Northern Ireland need results to go their way. They need to beat Austria and they need Bosnia-Herzegovina to beat Austria as well. A league further down, League C, Scotland can be promoted if they beat Albania away and Israel at home. Not only would they be promoted, but they would guarantee themselves a Euro 2020 qualification playoff spot. How exciting is that?
2: It's quite extraordinary given the pressure that Alex McLeish seemed to be under last time we were recording a pod around an international break. I mean, Mm. whether they can win those two fixtures, I suppose, is a different matter. But
0: yeah, They're not the only unlikely team who might be featuring at Euro 2020. Gibraltar. (laughs) Do you remember Gibraltar? They hadn't had a competitive win in 22 matches. They've now had two in a row. If they get another one, let me just uh, find this info here. They're playing Armenia on Friday. If they, they're then going to be taking on Macedonia in Macedonia next week, they if they win that group, they're in the qualification playoffs. Wow, Duncan. It's up for grabs. It certainly is. Hey, listener, do you want the answer to Duncan's question? Is that the only thing you're still with us for? Go on then, Duncan.
3: So the question was, who was the last player to score 40 or more league goals in an English top flight season? Right. And it Natalie, was, would you like to have guesses? a go at this?
1: Hmm... No, I think I'm best. Matt? Yeah. It
3: wasn't Tony Cotty, was it? No. You were at the quiz, yeah. weren't you? <laughs> <laughs> um, it was Jimmy Graves. Oh, really? So mm. quite a long time ago. That is a long time ago. Huh.
0: OK. Well, listen, we're going to take a very quick break, after which we've got a little bit more Nations League uh, stuff as we touch on the very interesting couple of matches that await Netherlands, potentially the the, the keyest games of all, actually, And also talk about the worst Brazilian players ever and other stuff. Hey, big shout here from a listener for our favourite Arnold Schwarzenegger films. There you go, that's one to think of. Anyway, lots of good
5: stuff coming up on this Totally Football show. Listeners, it's the international break, so what better reason to expand your horizons and have a read of The Economist? Because you listen to the Totally Football show, you can get yourself a free copy of the magazine right now by texting the word football to 78070. The Economist is about far more than just economics and finance. For 170 years, it's been covering a range of subjects from politics and business to science, technology, arts and even sport. For example, there's a great piece in the archives about how, between 2004 and 2016, each time a player scored at either the World Cup or the Euros, his transfer value went up on average by 13%. That led Real Madrid to splurge €80 million euro on James Rodriguez after his six goals in Brazil, which was around twice as much as he was worth based on his career up to that point. It didn't take Real long to realise that, as usual, they'd overspent, so like most clubs, they're now using cold, hard statistics and data rather than a five-week tournament when deciding to sign a player. Or not sign a player, as was the case this summer. Anyway, it's nuggets like that that helps economist readers prepare for what's going on in the world around them, a world in which facts count far more than ever get your free print copy now just text football to 78070 that's football to 08070
0: now monday we were discussing how many matches you can watch at the same time duncan how many matches can you watch at the same time i've
3: watched 10 at the same time before really yeah how with difficulty but i did it Which ten matches were happening? It's like the last day of the Premier League season when you have the ten concurrent ones. All right, and you had ten screens. Yeah, I was sat in front of ten screens. Um, I can't say I took in a lot from all of them. Right, but
0: you were able to keep across. I had
3: darting eyes like that. I I imagine you did. Right, okay. Natalie,
1: I thought I was rocking with four, but you say ten.
0: (laughs) For me, you're rocking. He's uh, that's nonsense. You can be in front of ten games, but you're not watching them. Before, that's impressive. Raphael Honigstein, friend of the pod and football fans everywhere, uh, was talking about the fact that he, he can only do one or he only wants to do one at a time. And both Vishnu Kumaraswamy and Daniel Diamond asked the same question uh, Does Rafa being able to watch only one game at a time make him monogamist? Monogamist. Very good. That is good. Yeah. Uh, right, back to the internationals. And I'm excited by Netherlands. They might be back, listeners. They're going to be taking on France. On Friday, and then Monday, they have the chance to relegate Germany. Now, Matt, you were talking about this, uh, the France game, first of all, as being really exciting.
2: Yeah, so Germany will be um, relegated if the Netherlands beat France on Friday. Oh, really? Friday. Be gone. Yeah, yeah. Damn. If France win that game, then Germany need to beat the Dutch on Monday to survive. So that's kind of what we want to happen, I think, just, just for that game to be still in play. Yeah. yeah. Um, France never lose, though. They're the world champions and all that. Yeah, this is true. They've got loads of injury problems, though. Pogba, Martial, Lacazette, Mendy. Um, interesting Ooh. that Amaric um, Laporte still doesn't get a call-up for France, and Mamadou Sacco does. Um, some some talk that it's maybe because, as is the way these days, he did a applause emoji to uh, Rabiot tweeting his displeasure at not being in the World Cup squad, uh, and Deschamps has held that against him, but obviously we... We've been talking about Laporte on the show in recent weeks and how brilliant he's been for City. So that does seem slightly odd. But yeah, you wonder if um, certainly Martial's in great form at the moment. Lacazette's had a good start to the season too. So maybe not that straightforward for France, but Germany, goodness me.
0: They did beat the uh, the Dutch 2-1 in September with Mbappé and, and uh, Giroud. After Ryan Barbel, who's still very much a feature for the Netherlands, had equalised. Wow. Okay, then Monday, it's Netherlands hosting Germany, who they beat 3-0 last time out. Wow, that's one to follow, isn't it?
2: Potentially beat
0: Joachim Löw's last game in charge. That's true.
1: How long have been, we been saying that?
0: <laughs> that it's his last game? Yes. Not, we haven't been doing it for long. Have you been doing it for a long time? Oh, yes. Really? Yes. yes. Okay.
1: Well, I'm Brazilian. I'm always thinking that the manager is going to be sacked. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and he must be... A, that's a... A departure you, as Brazilians, particularly want to see, I imagine.
1: Yes, yes, it's a, de- it's a delicate spot for us. Mm. <laughs> yes.
0: Super. Another quiz question, Duncan, before we address the final and meatiest topic of this Totally Football show.
3: OK, let's go for which two players scored in all three World Cups in the 1990s. Say that again. So the three World Cups in the 90s, 90, 94, 98. Yes. Uh, and two players scored in all three editions. Who are they?
2: I got one of these on the night. I remember that. Okay. And you, you should get it, James. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: And then another one. Natalie, got any thoughts on that?
1: I'm just going to leave it to you, guys. Okay.
0: Yeah. All right, listen. That's a doable one, isn't it, Duncan? Or is there a, a, a twist in that?
1: No, I think
3: it's probably the two players you would be thinking of if you got the right ones.
0: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent excellent well the the answer coming up very shortly as is our discussion
5: about bad Brazilian players and more you're listening to the totally football show sponsors of Melchester Rovers find out more at Roy the Rovers Natalie you've been so you've
0: basically your job for espn is to travel up and down the premier league yes yes okay. very um,
1: exciting it, is
0: it very exciting <laughs>
1: yes i love it absolutely we broadcast the premier league so there's plenty going on for us here is,
0: is it popular in brazil
1: very popular the, the the ratings are very high okay yes and there's this, this young generation that prefers european teams to the brazilian ones really yes yes it's very common
0: which european teams do they particularly like
1: uh, well, the Premier League is uh, the most popular league. Uh, Chelsea is very popular in Brazil, of course, because the it, uh, so, so many Brazilians. Uh, United, of course, City is growing mm-hmm. with everything that's been happening in the past few years, and of course Barcelona and Real Madrid and yeah, basically this.
3: From a Brazilian point of view, it's good that you know Liverpool and City have both got Brazilian goalkeepers, yes. um, and they've kind of made goalkeeping cool. You know, um, mm-hmm. my son is a goalkeeper, and it's suddenly become a a position that people want to do because it's you know it's cool.
1: Yeah, so that's true. And and there's a big argument among Brazilians who who's the who's the top one because Alisson was top one, No non questions about it. But uh, because Ederson didn't play in Brazil that much, so he's not that popular mm-hmm. among Brazilians. And Alisson played in Internacional for a while, and well. Everybody knows him, uh, but now that Ederson's is doing so well in City and City is getting popular in Brazil, and every, there's this there's this discussion now, and it's it's and, and yes they they they. They they turned into a, a very cool thing and, well, they've, and different. Yeah, yeah. they
3: both got pass completion rates of eighty percent or higher. Which, if you go back, you know, even most of the Manchester United midfield in the treble season didn't have figures that good. So that it's, kind of illustrates how much football's changed in the last twenty years. It's interesting
1: to see the goalkeepers uh, when you when we're covering the Brazilian national team. It's interesting to see the, the, the training mm-hmm. because their accuracy in in with their feet is like it's it's very entertaining. Do they get on? Yes, very much. Oh yeah. Yes, yes. They're 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 quite different, but they they, they get along just fine. And the the goalkeeper coach is Tafarel, and he was the goalkeeper in 1994 World Cup and everybody loves him. He's he's such a character. So it's a very tight group. The goalkeepers group is very tight. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Kind of Tafarel. Uh, 1990 as well. He was a Brazilian keeper, wasn't he?
1: 1994. He he defended the uh, a few penalties for us mm. in the the final against Italy.
0: Um, do we, I didn't ask. Is, is Artur in the squad? The Brazil squad? The Barcelona midfielder?
1: Uh, Artur, yes, yeah, yes, yeah. and he's been in every call up uh, since. Since Russia. Actually, many people thought he would be in Russia. Mm-hmm. And he was, and it was a big a point of discussion. But he's been called up ever since. And he's he's considered one of the players that is on the base of this new, not so new Brazilian team. But he's one of the, the players that's gaining most, most uh, respect and most uh, space. Him, Richarlison... Coutinho for sure but Coutinho was, uh, was around uh, but he's young so hmm. and, but his Charleston was a very positive surprise as well uh, because at first he, he wasn't even called uh, for Titi a, a player got injured and then he got called up and he he just stayed for these three call-ups and he's very charismatic. Yesterday, he gave a press conference that was very entertaining. Richarlison? Yes. Yes. He was telling how he flunked uh, arts in his school, that he, he was terrible in school and his uncle was his teacher in arts class. And he thought, oh, I'm, I'm not doing anything because my, my uncle is, is passing me and he flunked. So, oh, okay.
3: Yeah. It's, it's a excited. good punishment for the school though. If you don't knuckle down at school, we're going to send you to Watford. Well, it would work for me
0: <laughs> so uh, well, but he's now a proper fixture uh, Richarlison
1: he is he is
0: who, who else are you excited about in the, in the Brazil side
1: Arthur is the most uh, most spoken about uh-huh. player and um, I think on the defensive side uh we have, I really like Marquinhos. Mm-hmm. He's young and he's experienced at the same time. He's 24th, but he's been with the national team for so long and he has such a presence there. And he's obviously going to be uh, uh, one of the starting players for, for Brazil. We thought that would happen actually at Russia. Many people were, were surprised that he was replaced by Thiago Silva, but it showed to be a, a very wise decision from Titi because Thiago Silva was amazing at the World Cup. Apart from against... Belgium with that chance. Yeah, but even so, he's pointed for uh, he's pointed as like one of the top players in the Brazil, if not the the best player, mm-hmm. the best Brazilian player in the World Cup. Okay. So yeah, I really like Marquinhos and Casemiro. Casemiro. Okay. Yeah. Yes, Casemiro is amazing, and I I think he should be captain actually, Casemiro, because he's experienced. He has uh, good communication skills. He has a good vision of the game. But our captain is Neymar right now, so... Ha! Ha!
0: Uh, let's talk about bad Brazilian players. That's much more fun.
1: Oh, yeah. Sure. We have <laughs> we have so many good players. <laughs> let's talk well, yeah, about that's, the that's good a, ones. Everyone
0: always talks about the good Brazilian players. Okay, I have so a did, few then. All right, do you? Because producer yes. Ben was... <laughs> well. Have you? Mm. I had to think <laughs> as well. Because, uh, yeah. Oh, go on then. You, you Lamat, well, no, you start.
2: Do you have any... Roque Junior, when yeah. he was at Leeds. Uh, Afonso Alves. Legend, yeah, he, but he one of those players who just came to England and it never happened for him. I think I was looking at this and I'd forgotten how many Brazilians Middlesbrough had for that mm. weird spell where they just seemed to only sign Brazilian players. And, Juninho. Yeah, yeah, Juninho, Emerson, Marco yeah. Branca. Um,
1: Juninho made uh, the Premier League popular in Brazil. Hang on,
2: Marco Branca was Italian? You're thinking of Branco, Branco, yes,
0: yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. you're right. Yeah. Branco's yeah. at Genoa. Where yeah. they get the free kick special. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah, Marco Branco is a very. He pretended to be someone else when I called him up
2: once. Did he, he, was, he play for Middlesbrough as well? Yeah, yeah, he yeah. did.
0: And then they he got injured, and then they stiffed him for the medical bill. He was a great striker, Marco mm. Branco, but he doesn't unfortunately meet our criteria here because he's he's not Brazilian. Branco, and he, and he was good. Yeah, Branco, yeah. yeah.
2: Casappa, Newcastle. He wasn't very good. I don't he, remember so. Casappa. Who was he? Claudio Casappa, centre half. Really? Yeah. Sounds like the sort of game you'd download on an iPhone
3: for 99p. (laughs) Kasapa. But it's not. I've got a few if you want. Go on then. Um, Brazilians have played one game in the Premier League. All right. Um, There's five of them. But my three favourites are Bruno Peroni, who played for QPR once, obviously. Neil Warnock said he's already suffered a broken nose in training, so he's settling in nicely. That was a good Neil (laughs) Warnock-style welcome. Um, Anderson Silva, who Everton signed in 2005 Mm. before realising he didn't have an EU passport and couldn't play. They loaned him out for a couple of years, finally made his debut in 2007, um, played one game and then they sold him to Barnsley, um, not very nice. And then my all-time favourite Brazilian with one game was uh, Glauber, who, who played one oh game my God. <laughs> one, one game for Brazil, the Brazil national team, signed for Manchester City um, the day before Sheikh Mansour over. so he really was the kind of, you know, the final <laughs> old the city. The Saxon yeah but it was it's very much a kind of um you mm. know, end of an era so yeah, right. he played one game for city so um,
0: now he ended- played a game for the the national side, which sounds surprising, but was that back in the era when there was all sorts of talk about people would effectively pay to get their players into the national side because then you could sell them to European clubs for a much greater price.
1: There were a lot of talk about that, about the agents especially, that they, they had agreements and they, they put their players in the national team.
0: And Vanderlei Luxemburgo, did he not end up uh, either inside or with, with charges for, for taking money?
1: Vanderlei oh. for... <laughs> Luxemburgo, yes. Yeah. Yes, well, he has all types of charges. So, right, yeah, okay. Just, just put it on the list.
0: Okay, okay. Uh, Right, excellent. Oh, gone. You have got some uh, bad yes. Brazil players.
1: Okay, just about hockey junior. He got a red card in his first match. Mm-hmm. Yes, and he played five matches for Leeds. So yeah, not, not really a good. great start. Not a great start. Uh, Joe from City yeah. at the time. He was, he was good though, wasn't he? No, he did really well in 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 Brazil. He he was playing for Corinthians uh, a, a while ago and. No, all these guys they did really well in Brazil. They didn't get here for, for free, you know? And uh, Joe was very expensive signing at the time. And he was kind of a disappointment in terms of you know delivering goals and stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh well, everybody talks about Paulinho at Tottenham. Yeah. And it's very weird for us because Paulinho in Corinthians, he was such an amazing player. And it, he still get calls up for the called up for the national team, but here it just didn't work. It, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah, so that's that's all about Joe, it
3: Joe uh, he is at least the player with the shortest name to score a Premier League goal. so <laughs> he's, he's got that forever unless a
1: one lettered man appears. About, I'll keep a note on that.
0: What about Alfonso Alves? who's quite oh legendary my God, yes. yeah, him.
1: Yes, was that's he good true. in Brazil
0: as well? He was good in in Holland.
1: He yes, no, but he he didn't play in Brazil that much, oh. and he was very questioned when he got called up for the national team because people really don't didn't know him, mm-hmm. so he he was very questioned by the Brazilians in general. But so was Firmino, so, and and Firmino proved them wrong. So yeah. yeah, I'm just
3: about old enough to remember when Newcastle had Mirandinha as well, which was very exciting. Although I do remember the Newcastle fans. Um, as a tribute to him, wore sombreros, which um, oh in 1980s, God, that's so the 1980s... so wrong. <laughs> yeah, but they thought they were, you know, they thought they were helping. Uh,
1: the, yeah, the, the, the intentions that kind of... Yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah. <clears throat> Most underwhelming, Robinho? Robinho? Yeah, I, w- I was
1: going to mention Robinho because I don't think he was... Uh, an embarrassment or anything like that but I think there was a lot of expectation regarding him and I, I think he didn't reach well, He came through at
0: Santos and that he was kind of because of the way he looked I guess there was some talk of him being and because it was Santos him mm-hmm. being another Pele
1: Yes, yes, exactly well in Santos they're always looking for the, like, the next mm. Pele yes but uh, and he did really well in Santos uh, he was very skillful very fast and very you know Brazil. what you expect from a Brazilian player at, a, at the pitch uh but i think it was sort of a let down he he was always complaining about manchester that there yeah. was nothing to do in manchester i mean just
0: he used to go and hang out in what is it the on Arnd- is it the ondale centre that was his thing apparently <laughs> So, I mean, I I kind of, if you're Robinho and you you arrive in in Manchester, I mean, it's a bit of a shock, isn't it? I'm sure a lot of Mancunians might struggle were they to go and kind of hang out in Santos. Possibly less, actually.
1: No, but I think it's just a matter of mentality. Mm. You know, you have some. Carlos Tevez used to complain about the same thing about Manchester. But I think it's just a matter of mentality. You're there to play football, so just focus on that and enjoy your vacations when you have them absolutely you know, yeah.
0: can we talk about Cleberson
1: Cleberson okay Yeah, yeah. I
3: on the same day as Ronaldo at United oh um, really yeah and didn't they have to wait to sign him till his girlfriend had reached 16 I think yes I remember that <laughs> really
2: mm. yeah iffy I think it might just have been more about the sort of um, the optics yeah
0: I see I see, okay. And what about Vampeta at Inter? Do you remember him? Oh my no, god. I, I always thought that was the weirdest transfer. So he came with Ronaldo, with the phenomenal of Ronaldo. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. Or with yeah.
1: Well Vampeta is a big character in Brazil. Yeah. Uh, yes. Well, I think
0: it wasn't it, he the, like the if, wasn't he gay Brazilian's favorite footballer?
1: Yes. Yeah. And he if you haven't seen Vampeta uh, doing backflips on our when Brazil won the World Cup in 2002, all the players were uh, there to meet uh, the, um, the president. And, of course, there was a lot of celebrating in the in the flight to Brazil. And it's a long flight, so you can imagine all the celebrating, all the drinks, all everything. So he just, uh, when he got there and you the, the, had the official picture, I think he bet with someone that he would just go. There was a ramp in yeah. front of the... Of our Congress, and uh, he just thought it was a good idea to just.
3: So he did backflips?
1: Yes. Yes. In a suit? Yes. Fantastic. No. Yeah. You need to Google that. All oh, right. Yes. Martin
3: never did that, did <laughs> <laughs> you
0: know, you know, And also on the subject of uh, well, Brazilian greats. So, how is Ronaldo's uh, health at the moment? Is is he well? Has he got better?
1: He's well. Okay. He's well. Yes.
0: Hope. Good. 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 Yes. Excellent. All right. Well, that's probably enough bad and good Brazilians for now. That's almost it for this edition of the Totally Football Show. Although still to come, we're going to answer that all-important Schwarzenegger question and get the answer to Duncan's exciting head-scratcher about people who scored goals at all three of the 1990s World Cup. First, though, let's get odds on football things. Producer Ben in conversation with Paddy Power.
5: Thank you very much, Jimbo. Listeners, plump up a cushion. Lee Price is on the line all the way from Australia and we are talking odds and we are starting with Claudio Ranieri. He's the new man in at Fulham. But, Lee, can he keep them up?
6: Oh, it's great to see Claudio back, isn't it? I do feel sorry for you, sacked after just 12 games having got Fulham up. But dilly-ding, dilly-dong, welcome back Claudio. It's great news for Fulham fans, and even better news for Fulham pizzeria owners. They are still odds on to go down though, of course, but it's a fairly short price now, 7-5, to five, that Ranieri keeps them up. Should he do that, it's 11-2 to two that they finish above his old club Leicester in the Premier League next season. 750-1 to one that he repeats his title-winning miracle with the Foxes. Clearly, though, the odds suggest they're more likely to go down, sadly. If they do, they're 7-1 to to win the championship next season, which put them front and centre amongst the favourites.
5: England versus Croatia then, Lee, coming up on Sunday afternoon. Uh, can you give us the first goal scorer market and the overall on this one, please?
6: Hmm, An interesting one, this.
5: I know England are semi-good
6: again, but Croatia are good at semis, and that's what's told at the World Cup. Despite that, we favour the hosts at 4-5 here, with Croatia 10-3 and the draw 5-2. to as for the first goal scorer market, Harry Kane tops that at 13-5. His misses against Croatia in summer still haunt me, so maybe put a few ghosts to bed on Sunday for him and mostly for me.
5: And you've got a money back special on this one as well, haven't you? We do indeed. It's money back as
6: a free bet of England win. Applies to losing first, last, anytime time goal scorers, correct score and what odds paddy markets. Max refund £10. TNCs apply.
0: You can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com. All prices are accurate at the time of recording. 18 plus only. Be And when the fun stops, stop. Jim Barnett, in honour of Arnold Schwarzenegger's birthday in July. Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, interesting premise. What's the panel's favourite Arnie film?
2: Can I be controversial? Go on. Kindergarten Cop. Really? Yeah. Every are day you saying
0: week? that for real?
2: Yeah, yeah. I don't think I've ever seen Kindergarten Loved cop. it as a child. Yeah, really, really uh-huh. good. Yeah. Have give you it, seen it since? Give it a whirl. Probably, yeah, I reckon I probably saw it in my 20s and enjoyed it just as much. Okay. Yeah. Duncan? Probably going to go for Total Recall. Really?
3: Because I think it was the first 18 I'd ever seen. Uh-huh. And I'm um How sad. old were you? Well, I'm sad to admit I wasn't 18 at the time. Really? I was younger than 18. Don't tell the old board of whatever they're called. <laughs> British Board of Film Certification. Yeah, they'll get me. But, um... Yeah, no. I think was... the
0: statue of limitations is your friend on that now.
3: Yeah, I think so, yeah. But um yeah, I've lived my life with that credos Yeah. What? Total recall.
0: Oh I see, yeah, yeah, yeah. nice one. Nice one. Natalie, are you a fan of Arnie?
1: Uh, you have to respect the man. Yeah, you know, that's, yeah. It's probably
0: a good non yes. answer. I
1: love that you remembered Kindergarten Cop. Of course, it's the best one. Is it the best yes, one? Yes, of course it is. Right. It's a whole other side of him, you know. Yeah, the yes. comedy.
0: Yes. I mean, for that, Twins was, you know, a little bit of a forerunner in terms of laying down his comic chops. Yeah. Producer Ben wants to go with Terminator 2, but I mean, I would say Terminator 1 always. Yeah. always i mean technologically and in terms of the fx etc terminator 2 was groundbreaking with the, the, the
3: t1000 and that so the, but it, the guy all that played the
0: great terminator stuff's in the first one all the i'll be back all the you asshole and all that stuff
3: yeah yeah sorry no okay. just remember the guy that played the t1000 then yeah, robert played patrick the, the the cop was it the cop or the store owner in the sopranos?
0: Oh, I never finished watching the Sopranos. In fact, I've only seen one episode.:
3: <laughs> <laughs> This is like my not watching The Matrix thing. How,
0: how's that possible? Well, because there's so much of it, and they keep making new TV shows, and um, yeah, I, I've got to get back to it. It's like wire level.: Yeah, yeah, I know no, believe TV. me, it's been it's, I don't say that happily. That's right up there with not having a tattoo or owning a motorbike, that um, I've got to get that sorted out, maybe on Friday. See how we do. Um, Natalie, you're saying family-friendly kindergarten cop on that. Yes, yeah. absolutely, right. 100%. Not
1: sure
2: it's family-friendly. Might have been at
0: 15. Is that right? Mm. Okay. If the, hopefully we've escaped the kind of controversy that that followed our John Candy discussion. Uh, but, um, but, yeah, we will be dealing with planes, trains and automobiles really, really soon, listeners. You probably want the answer to Duncan's uh, World Cup question. Duncan?
3: Yeah, the two players to score in all three... World Cups in the 1990s. All
0: right. So, listener, you definitely got Roberto Badger, didn't you? I think we all did. Uh, does anybody want to hazard a guess as, the, as to the other one?
2: Klinsman? Correct. Oh, there you go.
0: All right. Excellent. Well, that is it then for today's Totally Football show. We return on Monday with uh, Francis' Julien Laurent, Wales's Tom Williams and Nottingham's Daniel Storey very much on the panel so that'll be exciting. Looking at back at all the action from, and then, and looking forward to other action, and also probably dealing with any other big things that happened over the weekend. I wouldn't rule it out. International break, fertile territory for upheaval. But many thanks for now to Natalie for joining us today. Thank you. Where else can people find you on Brazilian TV? Obviously, Brazilian ESPN.
1: Yes, ESPN Brazil. Okay. Yes, and on Twitter and on social media. You get,
0: yes. Have you got the weekend off at the moment?
1: No, no, because the Brazilian team's oh, here, so yeah, you have to
0: go to Milton Keynes on that? Yes, Brilliant. I do. OK, excellent. Matt, what will you be doing this weekend? Something eclectic, I hope.
2: Yeah, um, well, reasonably, it's actually English. I'll be doing some uh, Football League highlights on Saturday. And then on Sunday, Chelsea against Yeovil in the WSL. And you can watch that for free on the WSL's Facebook page. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Two o'clock kick-off on Sunday. Yeovil, are they any better than they used to be? They won their first game in, I think it was, 17 months. They beat Everton a couple of weeks Good ago. Good all with goals and everything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, wow. so, so good on them. A bit of a mismatch this, but Chelsea have had a pretty poor start to the defence of their title so who knows maybe maybe Yeovil could spring a, an upset but it would be a mighty one.
0: When's that game on again?
2: It is 2 o'clock on Sunday. Brilliant. And Duncan? Well I was going to go and see Sunderland v Wickham
3: but then I thought it was going to be moved for international call-ups. No. And then it wasn't So, I've so you can much. still go and see it? Yeah technically but it's a long way away isn't it? Right. So, yeah.
0: I saw Sunderland last weekend as you know mm. yeah, when they went at Port Vale. They were good.
3: Yeah, I know we'll, we'll lose. So, yeah. All right. Oh, you Wickham fan? I am.
0: Yeah. Oh, because we had um, we had the 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 Wickham manager Gareth Ainsworth with us. Mm. He's a lovely fellow. He is. Yeah.
2: He's a very good manager. Did he explain what he was doing in that Camberley McDonald's until four o'clock in the morning? The That's not week? a
0: question I asked him. <laughs> I regret to say. <laughs>
2: yeah, on on Twitter, somebody posted a video, a Wickham fan, a video of uh, him and her and Gareth Ainsworth together at Camberley McDonald's at four a.m. And he. Um, it was after he, we'd beaten Peterborough, so it it's quite a big win. Yeah. Um, yeah, why not? Why Necklace not? wasn't good, not, he's, not a good look.
0: He's not the only manager to seek solace in in McDonald's. Uh, Marcelo Bielsa, famously, while in charge of Marseille, would retreat to his nearest, you know, golden arched eatery, and uh, I'm not sure what he would do there. Not very much. Big Sam was it? Yeah, Big Woke Sam up. during the England game. Mm. Well, that wasn't a McDonald's. That was a pub, but it was with a hamburger, so <laughs> yeah. technically that counts. Brilliant. Natalie, thank you, as I say, so much for being with us today. Look forward to seeing you again soon. Big Duncan, thanks to you. Thanks, James. And also Matt and you, listener, most importantly. Do have a great weekend. Hasta la vista, baby.
5: You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, email sales at muddyneesmedia.com and be sure to check out our other football shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audioboom and everywhere else you get your audio on demand. Supporting your team can be a beautiful thing, but then come the injuries, the goal droughts and the downright disastrous defeats.